0: Hey, friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as they take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, I am going to be talking to you about having the hard conversations with our children about the uncomfortable things. I am kind of a pro at this, and I really wish I wasn't, okay? But (laughs) I just am. I first had to tell my children and use the word divorce. Mommy and daddy are getting a divorce. That wasn't so easy. Then I had to navigate having to tell my children that daddy died, daddy's gone. And there are so many other difficult conversations that come up for us as parents that is so important for you as a parent to understand how to approach those conversations. And to be quite honest with you, I don't necessarily feel that all parents... Do it this way or agree with it. But I hope along this journey in this podcast today, I help you understand why it's so beneficial to do it this way because of our brain function and how our brain ticks and honestly how resilient our little children are. You know, I went into labor at 27 weeks with Charlie. I was on bed rest in and out of the hospital till 33 weeks. I had Charlie at 33 weeks. And I pushed for three and a half hours. They had to use forceps to get Charlie out a little preemie, right? He came out. He was black and blue. He had blood vessels that were shot in his eye. They thought he potentially or possibly had a little minor brain bleed in his little brain. Um, That resolved itself, of course. But it was a traumatic experience for Charlie to come out of my little body. And knowing what I know as an OT and all the different children that I've worked with along my path, I was like, there, there's just like, no way this isn't going to be good for Charlie. This isn't going to be okay. And Charlie is a resilient, thriving young eight-year-old. And not only did his entrance into the world come very traumatically, but he's had a lot of trauma in his life. He moved states very young and my whole family lives in New Orleans. So he was basically ripped away from all of his family in an instant when we moved. And then all of a sudden, daddy doesn't live in the same home. And now daddy's gone. And I'm telling you, Charlie, you like, look out world. Charlie is Dr. B 2.0. He is a ham. And like, he loves leading. He loves performing. He's Brooke. Like, he is totally me. I look at him, even at like the pool this summer, he's like trying to dive special. And like, he always has to have this certain little different special thing to show everyone. And like, that was me. I'm like mildly embarrassed to admit it, but that was me. I used to always go to places and like, it, mom, if you're listening, you're probably going to die laughing because you probably didn't even know this either. But I used to go places and be like, mm, oh, yeah, like people probably watching me like, uh, uh. like, I don't know why. I just had this drive in me to perform all the time. And Charlie's got it in him as well. But besides that, he, that little boy is so fucking happy. He, especially with everything he's been through, like he thriving in the best way he knows how with everything that's gone on in his life. And I know that we as parents want to shield our children from all the discomfort and all the harm and all the terror that goes on in the world. And so... We try to have the hard conversations with our partners or our parents or whoever it is, whoever it is, right? Like out of the ears of our children. We try not to say the hard things or we don't want them to hear the ickiness of life. But they can handle it. They can handle it. And I don't think that we give their little brains – enough credit for all the resiliency and all the unimaginable strength that they have as little humans. It's my biggest belief that our brain needs time to heal. And if you've listened to any of my podcasts and you've heard my theory on the power of threes, right? Three days, three minutes, three hours, three weeks, three years, right? I'm in year two. I believe that the more time a brain has to process that information or to move through it or heal that information, the better, okay? So I'm not saying that I looked at Charlie and Eli the moment they got home after Jonathan had passed and I looked them in the eye and I said, you know, this unimaginable, I'm not going to even say it because it just would just be icky and gross and like very blunt and like, eh Right. But I did say the pertinent information. And just like I said the pertinent information that day, I'm not kidding you, the day that I looked the, the boys in the eye and I used the word divorce, I was hysterically crying. Like I couldn't believe I was actually saying that word come out of my mouth as my I'm already getting choked up now. But I knew that word needed to be said. And as soon as I said that word, they were able to start processing what that meant. Charlie and I even today talk about, was mommy and daddy divorced when daddy died? No, but you were getting divorced. Yep, Charlie understands it because I've answered the questions he has. So the most important thing to note about any type of conversation you need to have with your children like this is it needs to be calm, it needs to be kind, it needs to be loving, it needs to be patient, and there needs to be zero rush. Don't have the conversation until you're ready. Yeah. When Jonathan first died, I I called everyone and talked to everyone. I talked to my mentor, I talked to my aunt, who's a clinical psychologist. Like I got tons of feedback of like how to tell the kids and what to say and what to do. And it needs to be black and white. And while I'm not shaming any of you who are spiritual you get to decide that part for you. You get to decide how much you share on a spiritual or religious level when explaining the death of a parent or a loved one or a grandparent or even a, a, a dog or a rabbit or a fish. Or, like You get to decide. But what I do know is that I needed it to be concrete. I didn't want them to think that there was any possibility or confusion that Jonathan was coming back. And so I used very blunt words of daddy's heart stopped, daddy died. And while I can say these things to you without hysterically crying, it's also been a year and a half and I've shared this with many along the road and along the journey. And as people have asked me, how did I do it? But don't get me wrong, the day that I told my children that was the absolute worst day of my life, and I will never forget it, ever forget. I could close my eyes right now and see exactly the responses from both of my children. And they knew. Like, Eli was four. He knew. Eli had a fight-or-flight response. He he ran out the door. He ran to the backyard. And I had Lolo and my mom and my sister. And Lolo's husband was there too. And we did it together as a team. Whew. And we made it through. And I made sure that the boys knew exactly what happened. They were given all the support they needed. But I didn't overshare. I didn't say that Jonathan had taken his own life. I didn't say how Jonathan took his own life. I didn't say what exactly happened. But they knew that Jonathan was gone. And that's the most that their brains needed to know at that moment. So if you are needing to share hard information with your children, tell them all that needs to be said, right? Like I said, mommy and daddy are getting what's called a divorce. And then I waited for them to ask questions based on my information. And that's all you have to do. But once you say the words, like once you say the hard thing, it takes so much of the weight off of it. So often I find that it's not actually the resiliency of the brain for little children that we fear. It's actually the discomfort that we ourselves feel within our own body and our own brain that stops us from saying the hard and uncomfortable thing or conversation with our children and that is doing a disservice to them their your trust in them who you believe they are how strong they are how resilient they are i waited to continue sharing information until i was asked questions now you know my rule of 3s i just discussed it with you right no joke No joke. Three weeks after Jonathan passed, Charlie asked me, he said, but I don't understand. Daddy was fine the morning he dropped me off at school. No joke. Now we've got three years in in between, excuse me, Charlie and Eli. Six weeks, okay, after Jonathan passed. So let's say it's three weeks from Charlie and then let's give Eli a few years, three more years, right? So Three more, three more weeks. Eli asked the same question. I don't understand. Daddy was fine when he dropped us off at school. I wasn't prepared for that question. I wasn't ready to answer it at the time. And I beat myself up for weeks to the point where I'm still sharing it now. They asked the question. They wanted to know more. And I struggled with fearing that I was lying to them or withholding from them. And again, I called my aunt and I called my mentor and I made sure. And I was like, are we sure? Are we sure? Are we sure? Right. And then as I've explained before this summer, Charlie started asking a lot of questions and he said, are you sure you told me everything? And I would always ask more questions, right? So if you are ever in this situation and your children are asking you questions about a divorce, like, well, what, is, what does it mean? Like, are, are you and daddy going to ever live in the same home? again? Are you and mommy going to share a room anymore? Are we going to go on vacations together? Like share, like talk to them. It's okay to answer the hard questions. I know they may be painful for you to answer. The most important thing that your children need to know is what will happen to them, right? It's the control for them of knowing their stability, right? Structure, stability, control, say it till I'm blue in the face. They need to know they're safe. So when it happened, Charlie of course asked questions. Well, what would happen to me if if you died? And so I explained exactly what would happen. And we talked about it and he asked if he could bring his own bed and all the different things. And now Charlie knows exactly what will happen and he feels in control of his surroundings. There's no questioning of what will my life look like or what's going to happen because if he doesn't know, that will produce fear. Or that will then create stories within our own children's brain. And that's the fear for them, right, of the story that they're creating or building in their brain. And when Charlie asked me, you know, are you sure you told me everything? I said, well, do you think I've told you everything? And he'd say no. And then he would ask me questions. And I waited to make sure that it was time. And he not only asked me He asked Jonathan's best friend in New Orleans. He asked a few people, like, do you know what happened to my dad? And so we all just kept talking about it and making sure we were discussing, communicating together. Like, is this the right time or is it, are we ready? Like, is this, is he asking enough questions? And the answer was yes. And so when I did ask Charlie, well, what do you think happened to daddy? He said, I think he had a heart attack and that's not what happened. As I said just a minute ago, he was creating a story in his head, a narrative of what possibly happened. Now, throughout this past year, I wasn't feeling well, and they had those, like, mobile IVs. And, you know, solo mom over here, business, doing all the different things. I get run down sometimes. I like to do that every now and then. So I got a mobile IV, but I could tell Charlie's fear of – knowing that I got really sick the night before. And now there's someone here from, you know, like a quote doctor's office, shoving a needle up my arm, like what is all this stuff? And Lola was here too. And so I was like, come on, Lola, just get one. So that he could see that it wasn't me and something really going on with me, right? That was like, not quote fixable. And he could see that it was just Health related to increase or boost my health, right? So, our children without those tangible conversations will begin to create more stories in their head. And now that Charlie knows, he is able to process so much more. He's able to ask more questions, he's able to share his emotions and feelings. And I knew. What would come after him knowing was so much more fear on my end, right? Fear that now he knows that he thinks that's okay, right? Or fear that all, let's go back to the divorce, like that all relationships end in divorce, or that that's, you know, what happens in marriage. Like there's so much fear of our own as a parent that we again stop ourselves from saying the hard things. But with me telling Charlie, I looked him in the eye and I said, mommy will always tell you the truth. No matter what questions you have, I will always tell you the truth. And I have to say there was some emotion in that for him. He, he felt like I had somehow lied to him. And I explained that the brain being sick, that's what I explained. I said daddy's brain was sick, right? That was not me lying. And so we've discussed that a lot. But it just goes to show the fact that he said that means that he wanted to know the truth. And I have spoken with others who fear sharing that your marriage is struggling or fear sharing what's really going on in the dynamic of your home or why we don't see XYZ anymore, right? Or like whatever's going on. Yeah, like I don't know why we don't see grandpa anymore. We just, you know, and then move on. It's okay to tell them. What I share with the kids is that people come and people go. And we are so grateful for the four years that Eli had. And we are so grateful for the seven years that Charlie had. And people come and people go. And that that has happened since then in our lives, right? Like, it has. But sharing... The uncomfortable thing and building a connection, a vulnerable connection with your children is never the wrong way. Now, I'm not telling you to overshare. That is a huge, huge thing I need you to hear. And that's why I'm explaining to you the steps and process of how this looked for us. Because I want to give you an example of how I gave the pertinent information when the time was necessary. But if your children ask questions, that means their brain is ready to process that information. That doesn't mean we're going to overshare from that question asked, but that does mean that we are going to answer open, honestly and directly. And that creates trust, and that's what we want to build with our children is a trusting, loving relationship. I would say hands down the most important thing within my parenting philosophy and the reason that I have created the model of how I teach you sensory neuro-based parenting is I want your child's whole brain to be taken care of on the logic and emotional brain side, which means I want my child to know boundaries, see them, understand them, respect them, and also be able to have them themselves. But I also want my child to know that no matter what, you can always talk to me. And if we don't share the discomfort and show and model to our children that uncomfortable conversations are okay and can take place and we are going to survive through them, it allows their brain at a very early age to find that resiliency within their brain to get through hard conversations. There are some times when I'm having a conversation with Charlie and Eli and Charlie's like wiggling and shaking and he's like, oh, I'm like, dude, like, dude, like what are you, what you doing? Like, what are you doing? He's like, OK, I'm like, dude, like, let's just get through this. Like, I know it's uncomfortable, but like, I don't like what you did. So we got to have a combo about it. Right. The other day I had one with Eli where his oh God talk about listening to our kids, right? Or having our kids listen to what we say last week's podcast. <sighs> I looked at Eli, and I was tying his shoes for school, and I literally could smell his breath like down by his shoes. And I was like, Eli, did you brush your teeth this morning? No. Okay. Hey, buddy, are you brushing your teeth at night? He goes, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. (laughs) He was like, I don't want to talk anymore. I was like, you haven't been brushing your teeth. He's like, but the mint, the the new toothpaste you bought is just so spicy. I'm like, dude, we're not using like, I don't know, sparkly Colgate crap anymore. Like it's time, like it's time for your breath to smell decent, right? Like your kids are going to push hard conversations away. But I looked at him and we continued on with the conversation. Yeah. When your child is running away from a conversation or pushing or like Eli verbalizing, right? I don't want to have this conversation anymore. That means that they feel discomfort. There's some fear coming up within their body. Their body and their brain is triggering a response of ding, 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 ding. I don't want to have this conversation anymore and I'm going to shut it down. If we allow them to always, sometimes you can let them go, right? Sometimes, right? Let's yeah, like let's give and take a little here. But sometimes when we need to have the hard conversations, if we don't show up for them and move through the hard conversation, what happens is it's telling their brain that big time emergency. And thank goodness I relieved that because that was so uncomfortable. Whereas if we push through in a beautiful way, I'm not saying like a, Muscle through, kind of way. Just like, let's keep talking. Let's take a breath. How do you feel right now? Right? Like, always go back to that. Allow them to check in with their emotions and feelings. Yeah. Through all of these hard conversations, right? It's teaching the brain, instead of thinking, ding, 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 I'm in fight or flight, it's teaching the brain, oh, okay, I can relax here. I can stay safe. Like, I can be okay. This is not fun. This doesn't feel fun, but I'm not. In danger, my fight or flight system does not need to activate in this moment, and that's what we're teaching that brain when we help support it, right? So, going back to the conversation of how to support our children, when we're having these conversations, after you drop the bomb of the hard D word or the fishy died or whatever, whatever it is, right? Look at them and say how you feel, like how do you feel, buddy? Allow them to share. I don't want you to put words in their mouth. So many parenting experts do that of like, well, I know I see that you're feeling so upset or sad or I see that you're frustrated. Like, no, that has to be a teaching moment. I don't want you to give the feeling to your child. I want your child to say it for themselves. They have to learn how to share their feelings because our generation, the generation of parents that I work with, None of us know how to share our feelings, like literally down to the I feel what over and over and again. I I help create that pattern within my client's brain of being able to say the vulnerable hard thing because there's such discomfort, right? I just talked about that fight or flight. Your brain has been patterned for so long not to have the hard, uncomfortable conversations. So when your child's crying and you're like, stop crying or like, it's fine, you're going to be okay," No, like, no, Mm no. Like, not once in any of this conversation, when I'm sharing with you about how I talked about the word divorce or talked about the word death, like, I didn't look at my children and say, yep, like, it's going to be okay. You are going to be okay. Like, no. Mm -mm." I gave them the autonomy to say, how do you feel, buddy? Even the three and six weeks after Jonathan passed and they both said to me at different times, at different weeks, but I don't understand. Daddy was fine when he dropped us off at school. I for sure looked at them and said, how does that make you feel? Sad, right? Like I want them to be able to identify their emotions because that's where healing comes. And when you have these conversations, allow them to share their emotions and feelings, answer any questions they have as simply and bluntly as possible, not oversharing, and then remind them how much you love them, how safe they are, and how you will always be there for them, right? To answer any questions or to talk to them. If you have any, converse, like if you have any questions or conversations you want to have, mommy will always listen. I love you so much. And then nine times out of 10, that evening, I will round out that conversation and say, how did that conversation feel for you today? Felt really bad thank you so much for sharing. I want you to replace, it's okay. It's going to be okay with thank you so much for sharing. Like, I don't care if your your kid's frustrated that they hate you because you're not buying them the candy bar at the grocery store. I hate you. Thank you so much for sharing. No joke. Just get in the pattern. Just get in the rhythm. Just do it. Break the, it's going to be okay. Or like, it's okay. Break that. It's just not, wor- it's just not good. Like you do it's not because, because sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes it's not okay, but just remind them that you're there. Just remind them how much you love them and remind them they can always come to you and talk because one day, if your child decides they don't feel like they fit in, into their, their own gender role or wanting to date the same sex or I don't know, like wanting to say, I want to go off in the army or just any uncomfortable thing, right? Or someone touched me inappropriately at school or anything like that. I want my children to know I will listen. I don't care what happens or what it is, but I will listen. And if we shut it down and we say, okay, or we don't tell them the truth or we don't have the hard conversations and show them it's okay to have the hard conversations, then none of the rest of that can take place. Because they don't feel that truest sense of safety with you. And like I said earlier, like that's the number one reason why I've created and built what I have. Because at the end of the day, in order to support the logic brain and the emotion brain, I want to make sure that our children know it's okay to share their feelings. It's okay to state their needs. And it's okay to go get what they need. Unapologetically. If I if my children do that, I've done my job. Like I'll be happy. And for me personally, of course was a fear for me that I had to move through of now that my children know, and only Charlie knows, but now that they know this information or what this is, or that someone in their family has done that, maybe down the road, they'll feel that it's okay, right? That they will do that. That's a story and a fear that I'm telling myself. Parent the child in front of you, not the child you fear they will become. And that has literally been my mantra as I've worked through my own fear of that, right? I'm doing all I can do to support their nervous system from the logic and emotion brain side. I'm supporting them and making sure they know they can always come talk to me, and I will always listen, and I will always answer any question they have. And if you can feel that at the end of the night going to bed, you will rest easy in knowing you're doing a good job. It's not about the accolades and what college they get into, and, I don't know, the ranking of class and the first place of trophies for basketball. Like, who cares? Who cares? If they can share their emotions and take care of their needs, that's going to get them a lot farther in life than winning first place for softball or knowing all, you know, the state capitals, getting an A on a spelling test. So have the hard conversations with your kids. It's okay to talk to them about anything that's going on in your family or anything that's going on in your life. I don't care if you lost a job and money is tight. It's a beautiful, healthy conversation to teach them the truth about the world because one day they will need to know. If it feels like, "Mm -mm, nope, they're too young. Nope, nope. They don't need to worry about our finances and if we can keep the lights on. I guarantee you're going to figure it out. Like I guarantee you're going to figure out how to keep the lights on. I know you will find a way to make sure that they are well taken care of and safe Right at the end of the day. But it is a beautiful conversation to think about how to say, well, do you know how mommy goes to work every day? Yeah, uh uh-huh, well- That's called a job. And that's how mommy makes sure to keep the lights on and pay for food and clothing and all the different things. And most parents have the job. And some parents, their job is to stay home and make sure to take care of you, right? There's beautiful conversations that can be had. And if you feel like it's going over their head, maybe slow the conversation down and don't say too much. But either way, it's okay to have the conversation about literally anything that's going on in your life or in your world that you're like, oh, shh, shh, we can't tell them. Mm-mm, no, shh, ah, ah. they're walking in the room. Yeah. Now, Eli has not asked the conversation or asked the question, excuse me. So the conversation has not happened. So Charlie knows that we're going to support his brain right now and it's time for him to think through all this and process this, and one day it'll be Eli's time. That time's not yet, and that's okay. But when Eli does find out, Charlie knows that he will be able to support Eli. I would say the biggest takeaway in what I want you to hear and know from this is that our children are strong, they are brave, they are fierce, they are resilient, And it is okay to talk to them and model what it looks like to have uncomfortable, hard conversations. And again, like I said, the more we are willing to do that, the more they're comfortable with that. Yeah? At the end of the day, it's the three of us. Like, at the end of the day, it's like, that's it. Like, I'm here for you, and you're here for me, and we're a pact. Like, we're a team. Like, that. We're, that's it. Like, that's all we got here. And so in order to create, build, and foster that team, we have to feel like a team, not a hierarchy. Now, do I hold boundaries as a parent? Yes. If my child asks for a boundary, I'll give him that boundary. Unless it's like, I have a boundary that I want 15,000 pieces of chocolate... Halloween candy tonight for dinner. Well, mm, that's not really boundary. <laughs> Sorry. You know, allow yourself to go there with your kids. Allow yourself to share with them what's going on and create and foster and build that beautiful connection that I know you want with your kids. It's okay to cry in front of your kids. It's okay to express your feelings. This has been one of the lowest years, past years of my life. I expressed when I felt anger. I feel so angry today. I love both of you. This has nothing to do with you. I just feel angry. I would say, mommy's just having a really hard day. Okay, mommy, I love you. They knew I was okay because we talked about it. Even if it's not a huge like burr, 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 like doozy, like I've had to, you know, have huge conversations with my kids. Share with them how you're feeling for the day. Try that on for size. So many of my parents just keep smiling and they don't let their kids see how they're actually feeling or share with them. And so what happens in that is when you don't share how you feel, that's when you snap and they're like, I don't know what I did. So then your child internalizes it. For those of you who don't know how to tackle this, don't know how to share your feelings, emotions, or have the hard conversations with your kids, reach out. That's one of the biggest things I do in my Thrive program with my parents. And that's one of the foundational pieces of my method, right? First one is how do I feel? I ask you to practice that over and over and over and over. I feel statements because I want you to share that with your kids because it's modeling to them that it's okay to share those feelings as well. But if you have such fear, right, that emotion, that fear that comes up that you're like, oh my God, I can't have the hard conversation. Oh my God, I can't. No, like, no, no. Reach out. I would love to help you create and build new patterns in your brain. I would love to help you in any way possible. This gig's not so easy, right? But we've got this. Trust yourself, okay? Like, trust yourself, trust your gut, trust your instincts. And just like I felt within my own, like, I felt it was best for, especially Charlie, and I knew how his brain functions. Like, I knew it was best for him to know. It was the right decision. He needed to know, he wanted all the information. And now he does, not all the specifics, but he knows exactly what happened to John. And from that, he can start to find peace and healing, not overnight, but I can support him through that healing process and his load of support system can. And everyone knows that he knows, his whole support system, so that if he asks questions, it's okay for them to talk about it. And he feels now included, like he can really understand what was going on. And it's not such a big, deep, dark secret. So share with your kids and allow them to grow into the most resilient humans we could ever possibly imagine. Because this world needs it. Things aren't going so well. Like our, our world needs some really strong, badass kids to come into adulthood. They do. Like we do. We need it. It's not an option anymore. Go get them, slugger. (laughs) Well, that about wraps it up for today. So until next time, XOXO, Dr. B.